This is the weekly Parsha Shior with Rabbi Chaim Bravender of Atid and WebYeshiva.org. Recorded live in Jerusalem at Beit Knesset Haramban. Visit www.webyeshiva.org for live interactive online shiurim today. Uh, the Parsha is both. What I'd like to kind of look at is the relationship between Moshe and Aaron. Everybody knows that Aaron was brought into the story kind of uh, it was because Moshe complained and uh, had these discussions with HaKadosh Baruch Hu about what should be that um, that he um, got this assistant got Aaron to be his assistant had he not complained and he had agreed at the beginning to do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted him to do so then we're not sure that Aaron would have been a figure in this in this um, enterprise at all. So if you look at the bottom of the first page, we'll go according. We'll do according to the prakim. Not, so we'll start from the middle. Uh, I don't know how how they managed to do this. Moshe. You see Shmot Perik. One second. Shmot Perik Vav. Perik Zion. Right. That's how it goes. Yeah. Okay. So you look at Perik Vav. No, I don't want to look at Perek Vav. Okay. Perek Vav is the parsha of Eira. It's last week's parsha. I will start from Perek Vav. In, in Perek Vav, the Torah says, Hu Arona Moshe Shamar Shem Lahem it's a kind of a new introduction. Who are Ona Moshe? Right? They are. Even though who is singular, but we don't, that doesn't matter. That was the reason that you study grammar is in order to find out that you have odd psukim. Once you've found out that they're odd, you go on. I mean, uh, it, it's like a question on uh, on the test that you had in the eighth grade and then the twelfth grade, uh, and there's never an answer. It always stays the same. Who are on Moshe? Who are on who singular? So you could say that Aaron and Moshe are somehow singular, right? We're used to that kind of a uh, thing. Asher Lahem, God said Lahem. You notice. Know be switched from singular to plural. They now become plural. What did God say to them plural? That's what God said to Moshe and Aaron, even though, of course, it doesn't mean that they take B'nai Yisrael out of the tribe, because after all, Hashem took B'nai Yisrael out of the tribe, and even if you didn't know that, the story is hard to deny. So, so uh, Rashi says, Rashi says, by the way, always he brings in the Medrash, and the Medrash says, Who are on the Moshe? Rashi says, Elu Shediskuru Lamala. What does Elu mean? I mean, it's a singular or plural. Plural. So it means Rashi doesn't mean he did bat an eyelash, and he made singular. It's a plural. That's a normal thing to do. So he did it. plural. who are mentioned above. and Amran had these children. Who are on Moshe? Who are on That's what the Psuki means. The children of Amram and Miriam and uh, Amram and Yocheved, they were Aaron and Moshe. Started the faith of who? What's the who singular mean? Yesh mikomot shemakdim Aaron and Moshe. V'yesh mikomot shemakdim Moshe la'aron. L'malecha sheshkulim ke'echad. And here Rashi creates this mystery. What could that possibly mean? Shem shkulim ke'echad. 
who would put Aaron on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu was chosen. Moshe Rabbeinu went to the Sned. Do I have to go on? Moshe Rabbeinu took the Jews out of the tribe. Moshe Rabbeinu did all of the miracles, or most of them. Right? Then Moshe Rabbeinu brought B'nai Yisrael to Har Sinai, and then Moshe Rabbeinu brought the Torah into the world and passed it on to, to B'nai Yisrael. So, so how could you say Shkulim not to deny the importance of Aaron HaKohen, but certainly Aaron HaKohen was not in any way that we understand the equivalent of Moshe. So that's what it says in Perik Vav, right? Perik Vav. What does it say in Perik Zion? These psukim that I have taken out here. Vayom HaShem HaMoshe Reine Taticha Elokim Leparo Aaron So what does it sound like? Who's in charge? Moshe Rabbeinu. What is what does Aaron Akohen do as Navi? What's his job? His job is uh, to promote uh, what Moshe Rabbeinu tells him. That's his job. It's 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 a great job. Not everybody could do it, but it's certainly not the equivalent of Moshe Rabbeinu. <coughs> Rashi says, "Netaticha Elokim leparo shofet verode lirdoto b'makota yisurim." In other words, you are especially, especially there to make sure that Paro feels the punishment. Rode shofet rode lirdoto. Right, he beats him. Then the Pasuk says, He will be the prophet to you. He will be your prophet. A prophet is somebody who brings the words to the people. A Navi brings the words of God to the people. That's usually what a Navi is. The Rambam taught us that Navi also means the person who has the, uh, the soulfulness to be that person. In, in other words, according to the Rambam, and not only the Rambam, but the Rambam develops this idea at great length, that a Navi is not just the person who does a job, but it's the person who can do the job. And not everybody can do it. Not everybody can stand before God, listen to the message, and then pass it on. So Navi, for the Rambam, for the Rambam, that kind of Navi lived, was always there, always possible. You know, as even though we say on the one hand that Nivu'ah ended, ended, Chagai Zechariah Malachi, that's Sof Nivu'ah, that's what the Gemara says, meaning that after Chagai Zechariah Malachi, anybody who says he's a Navi, you put him in the loony bin. Right? Some were not put in the loony bin, and they've caused us trouble ever since. But Chagai Zechariah Malachi, the last three Nevi'im in Treyasar are Sof Nevu'ah. But the Rambam said, the Rambam said apparently, that means that there are no messages being passed down to the people through the Navi. But that doesn't mean that there can't be an exemplary person. And that is a Navi, a person who, in other words, you get yourself to the point where if God wishes he then will give you prophecy, so to speak. But but if you don't do anything, if you don't move yourself in that direction, then there's nothing is going to nothing's going to happen. So if you use that model, it means that Aaron has the capacity, which is good, to be your Nazi, but you can't compare Aaron to Moshe. Moshe is certainly the greater individual, uh, and because because Moshe was the navi of Hashem, and Aaron was the navi of Moshe, so clearly that's the way it is. Rashi says Yedaviecha Ketagumo You know that Rashi had a very high regard for the Targum of Unculus, because he felt. That Ogulus was a Tana, and that he possessed the tradition of interpretation. 
so that when the Unculus translation says something, it's not just a clever remark, you know, or even a good translation. What it is, what it is, is the preservation of the tradition of interpretation that came from Moshe Rabbeinu. When Moshe Rabbeinu taught, when Moshe Rabbeinu taught the uh, Torah, so he thought, uh, you had to understand it. I mean, you know, like, you know, teaching something means, you know, like, the two kinds of teachers. <laughs> no, there are more than two kinds of teachers. But to be, there are the kinds of teachers who teach, but they're not concerned about whether anybody's getting it. You know, they say, it's not my job. My job is to teach. So I'm teaching. And there are other kinds of teachers that think that their job is to try to ensure that the students get it. These are two different kinds of two different kinds of teachers. It could be you need both of them on some level. <coughs> what? Yeah, but but there's a question. No, there's a question. And a navi is a person who understands. Uh, understanding has to do with. Um, some sort of profundity. Like you have to be, you have to work on yourself. Well, what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu was afraid of? When Moshe Rabbeinu said, I won't be able to do the job. No one will listen to me. I don't know how to speak. I mean, it must be something that he was afraid of, that he was worried about. I mean, why would anybody say a thing like that? God says, go to tell the Jews that they're about to leave the shrine. Now, that's about as simple a message as you could imagine. He wasn't going to teach them physics. But I was going to, teach, to tell them, okay, now's the time. And not only, and I'll prove to you there's the time, because we do a lot of miracles. That's what, I, that's what, uh, so what was the difficulty? What was the difficulty that Moshe Rabbeinu perceived, or what was it that they wouldn't understand? So I think that you could, that that the uh, point is that when you speak in the name of God, there's a profundity involved that could be that could be overlooked that people wouldn't understand. And if Moshe Rabbeinu presented that profund profund that profundity profundity right, if Moshe Rabbeinu presented that profundity in a language that they people didn't quite understand. So they'd miss out on it. You see, Moshe Rabbeinu was thinking of giving the Torah to B'nai Yisrael. That, that's what he was thinking of. <coughs> and so he said, in order to give the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, I have to, I have to be at that level of clarity and understanding that they will be able to understand. And I'm, I'm afraid that I won't be able to do that. It wasn't that it wasn't that he was afraid that he wouldn't be able to repeat the words of the Torah to B'nai Yisrael, but somehow B'nai Yisrael would miss out on something that they might otherwise not miss out on. So again, Yeni Veyecha Ketagumo Meturgimanach. Meturgimanach is an interpreter. Is an interpreter meaning meaning that there was some kind of disconnect between what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying to Aaron and what B'nai Yisrael would be able to understand from Moshe Rabbeinu. So he needed an interpreter. He needed a meturgaman. A meturgaman is a person who takes uh, uh, signs in one language and replaces them with signs in another language and that sometimes is clarified. Like you say, uh, you have a daven, you ever daven? You look at those Pokemon and tell them, and sometimes you get annoyed, you say, gee, I wish I understood one Pasuk. So what do you do? You look at the English translation, and of course, you can't figure out really which words go with which words, you know, like the English translation. And it, it gets you understanding, but it doesn't really explain the Hebrew to you. So that's what Moshe Rabbeinu was dealing with. He wanted B'nai Yisrael to understand the most and the best he could get was Aaron. Again. V'chein kol And so Rashi says, this is the general meaning of the word Navi, the Vu'ah prophecy. Adama machriz u mashmi'a la'am de rei tolfachot. 
a person who announces and um, uh, gives over the sounds of this uh, of these difficult words for whom he gives that nivsvatayim yinochachma yechol mehatna butish muel etc. In other words, there's a word. There's a word in Hebrew, Navi, and it means, it means uh, to announce and to say over and to clarify. The next pasuk. What? Yes, it's a different topic. It's a different topic. I guess tochachot are more difficult to understand than brachot. But I don't know exactly what Rashi means. Look at that pasuk. I, you should speak to the words that I will command you to say, and Aaron Achicha will speak to Baparo. Rashi says, so here you have a clear division that Moshe Rabbeinu is the one who's going to speak the words so that the profundity of the matter can be understood but Aaron is going to repeat them for Paro. Pasuke why there's Gimel in the Rashi but anyway Vayoma Hashem we see Pasuke I have the Aleph and Bet and then Chet. Vayom Hashem el Moshe ve Laron leimor ki yedaber lechem parol leimot nu lachem mofeit v'amat el Aron kached matecha v'ashlech lepnei parol yehi letanin. And so, uh, uh, not only speaking, Moshe Rabbeinu speaks and Aaron speaks, but when it comes to doing things. There are also cases where Moshe Rabbeinu tells Aaron what to do and Aaron does it. For example, this business about Ashlech Lefnei Parovi Hiletanin. Alright. Pasuk Tet Ki Yedaber Alechem Parole Mor Rashi explains that Tanin is Nachash. Of course, that's an important thing because when Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu to throw down the Mateh, the Mateh became a snake and a snake there is called a Nachash. And here, when Moshe Rabbeinu tells Aaron Right? So it's a different word. It's not the word nachash. It's the word tanin. Is it the same? Is there a difference? We don't know. Okay, let's look at the beginning now. Shmot perek tet. Check yud. Shmot perek yud. Is that both? Uh, just one second. What? It is or it isn't? It's Bo, right? How many Bakot have there already been? Dom, Swadeh, Kinim, Arov, Deber, Shvar, Shvin, Barad, Arbeh. We're up to 8, 9, 10. That's the Pasha of Bo. Arbeh. So, Right? What does it say by Choshech? Right? 
פסוק כ"ג, לא ראו איש את אחיו ולא קמו איש מתחתיו שלושת ימים לכל בני ישראל היה אור במושבותיו. ויקרא פרעה משה ויאמר לכו עבדו את השם רק צורכם ובקרכם יוצג גם כתבכם ילך עמכם ויאמר משה כן דיברת להוסיף עוד רעות פניך. So you see these פסוקים that I've put into the sheet from, uh, from the parasha בואו ארבן חושך, אוקיי, מכת בכורות ונערבת, אבל ארבן חושך, what do you see? You see משה רבינו. What don't you see? You don't see, I don't have told. This in spite of the fact that in Paragvav, Rashi told us that who are on a Moshe means that there's a kind of a, a what? Parody, I like that. A kind of parody between Moshe and Aaron. Of course, Of course, that's in Perik Vav. That's in Perik Vav. And later on, later on in Perik Zion, we learned that the relationship between Moshe and Aaron is that Aaron was the Navi of Moshe Rabbeinu. While we have a little difficulty trying to understand what that means, it certainly doesn't mean parody. It doesn't mean Moshe and Aaron are the same. I mean, if Moshe gives the prophecy to Aaron, that certainly differentiates them. And yet we have that Rashi that said, who are Rona Moshe, that there is a certain kind of parity between Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Akkoi. Pasuk, Shemot Perik Yud Aleph, the next section, Vayom Moshe Kho Amar Hashem Chatzot Alayla Adiyot Tsei, Betok Mitzrayim. So you know that the Makat Bechorot was actually done by Kodesh Baruch Hu, with, a, with an angel. So what does that mean? Again, this is the end of, of the Parsha Bo. Who are you missing? Aaron. He disappeared on us. There's no Aaron. No Aaron in, in these stories at all. ויאמר השם על משה ואל אהרון פסוק פרק י"ב, פסוק Shmot Perik Yud Bet is about the Korban Pesach. Remember the Korban Pesach? Not North Korban Pesach that we know about, but the Korban Pesach about the Yotzei Mitzrayim. The people who left Mitzrayim gave a Korban Pesach. It was never repeated again. It was like a unique event in history. And then it was imitated, just like the Seder is the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. The Korban Pesach was the story of the Korban Pesach of Mitzrayim. And so when there came time to teach B'nai Yisrael about the Korban Pesach, which I would say could easily, I mean, as a result, of course, nobody was killed and the Bechorot weren't killed, etc., etc. But this Korban Pesach, this Korban Pesach was Torah. And in fact, the Korban Pesach, Korban Pesach starts off with which mitzvah? So Korban Pesach and Achodesh Zelachem could certainly be called Talmud Torah, teaching Torah, so that even though in the terms of Talmud Torah, who is more closely identified? Moshe Rabbeinu. And even though when the Pesach said, who are on the Moshe, we were talking about Yitziat Mitzrayim. Here we see that in the Pesach of Bo, in the Pesach of Bo, Arba Choshech, no Aaron Akohen. Makat Bechorot, okay, Akhorish Bochum. And now there's a Pesach, a Pesach, thank you, that Pesach Aleph, which brings Aaron back into the story, but it brings it back into the story in Talmud Torah, in the, in the, in the area that you would think would be exclusively reserved for Moshe Rabbeinu, Pesach Man Gimel, 
the second passage, Vayona Hashevi Boshevi Arod, Zokhukata Pesach. Zokhukata Pesach. Laws. These are the laws of Korban Pesach. Who's back in the picture again? Aaron. Aaron a coin. So you think? Well, these, uh, this was not a ra- that kind of korban. Everybody brought it. Everybody brought his own korban, and the kohanim did not serve as the shlichim of B'nai Yisrael, but maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I mean, certainly the Torah of korbanot was ultimately entrusted to Aaron Akohen and his family, so maybe here it's also entrusted to him. So you didn't, you're not saying, you're not saying that, uh, that this is, uh, that differentiatable with the Makot of Israel. It's just that since it's Korbanot, it makes sense to you that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should speak to Moshe and Aaron. Now listen to this. Remember Pasuk Aleph? Vayom Hashem and Moshe Aaron Be'eretz Yitzrayim Neymor? Rashi. Bishvil She'aron Asav Etarach Be'moftim Ki Moshe. Chalak lo kavodze b'mitzvah rishona shekalolo im Moshe b'dibur. What's the mitzvah rishona? Achodesh zelachem. So what is Rashi saying? Like if you're like sensitive to Rashi, what? Well, if you're sensitive to Rashi, Rashi is saying it doesn't make sense. Why should the mitzvah rishona, which Achodesh zelachem, which is Torah? be said to Aaron. What does Aaron have to do? It's just like Gideon says that Aaron certainly has something to do with Korbonot. He certainly has nothing to do with HaKadosh HaZelachem because HaKadosh HaZelachem was trusted to the Dayanim, to the Beitin. They're the ones who decide about HaKadosh HaZelachem. But look what Rashi says. So Rashi says, so this really doesn't make sense. It shouldn't be that way. Why is it that way? Why does the Torah Give kavod to Aaron. He says, "B'shvil Aaron asavatarach b'moftim b'moshkim Moshe." He worked hard, just like Moshe did. Chalak lo kavod zeb mitzvah rishona shekalaloi b'moshe b'dibur. Aaron was included because of the role that he played in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. If not for the fact that he played a role in Yitzhak Mitzrayim. He would not have been included. Be like everything else in the Torah. Why, why, what does Aaron? What does Aaron have to do with this particular with this particular mitzvah? Now, uh, one second. The Eretz Mitzrayim. See, Eretz Mitzrayim, Pasuk Aleph. Chutzva Krach. Oino Ela Betocha Krach. Talmud Lomar, there's a pasuk here, it's Saiti et ha'ir. Umat filakhala lo etpalel betocha krach. Tavar chamur, dibur chamur lo kol shekein. Uvnei lo medabei mo betocha krach. Lefisha itam lea kilulim. So Rashi makes a side point. Right? He says, Vayom ha'ashel v'ashem v'arab be'eretz mitzrayim. Be'eretz Mitzrayim. Why does the Torah say Be'eretz Mitzrayim? We know that they're in Eretz Mitzrayim. Where are they? They've been there for either 210 or 400 years, depending on how you count. So why does the Torah say that he was Be'eretz Mitzrayim? Meaning he was not in a city in Eretz Mitzrayim. It could not be that the Torah would be received in a place of idolatry. That's what Rashi says. And since this Torah, the Torah of Echodesh Zelochem, is like new Torah, that's going to last forever. So that Torah, it ought to be given in Mitzrayim to Moshe and Aaron, had to be given outside of the city. Outside of the city. Uh, Why didn't they have this conversation in the city? Okay. So, Peregvav we looked at already. Peregvav. Peregzayin. Vayom HaShem HaMoshe Reina Taticha Elokim Leparo Vahrod Achichi Edu Viyecha This we did already, right? We did all these psukim. So, some of us want to make this, we want to straighten out and understand what the job 
of Aaron Akohen was and why Rashi could say that they're equivalent. So here we have, um, we could try on page two or the second page. We'll look first at the Tosefta in Kritut, Peregdalet, Halachat, This is something we're going to learn now that even the devotees of Dafyomi will never learn. <laughs> this is really, this is really like the most hidden away, hidden away uh, 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 source that you can imagine. It's a Tosefta. You know what Tosefta is? Tosefta is a collection of Tanaitic material very similar to the Mishnah. And it's arranged in a similar way. And therefore, when they printed the Shas and Vilna, they were also able to print the Tosefta volume by volume by volume by volume. And that remains the easiest way, unless you have transferred to Schottenstein or Art Scroll, um, which is very good, by the way. But they don't have the Tosefta. They don't, you know, since every volume is so fat, they haven't figured out how to do that. You know, you have to, to carry those volumes to shul and back. It's, it's like that's a, that's the old, the old of Talmud Torah. It's just carrying the Gemara back and forth. Yeah, they have footnotes all the time. They have footnotes all the time. Yeah. It's very good, John. So, uh, I used to be a very, uh, I have to do tshuva, I used to be very against arts, we used to go to art scroll. Uh, it's still art scroll, but like, in Israel I call it Schottenstein. The Hebrew version is called Schottenstein by Israelis for some reason. I guess they're very tuned in to the financial aspect of Talmud Torah. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I used to be very, I used to be very uh, great opponent of art scroll, and I said that if you use art scroll, you're never going to learn how to how to really learn the Gemara. Since then, I discovered that if you don't use art scroll, you also don't really learn how to. <laughs> so my nafkamina, like, why should you spend all that time looking up words in the dictionary when they have it right there? You know, it's like a, a lot easier. So I became a. I became a fan of arts growth. So we're looking here at the Tosefta. There are two sources here on this page which are really the same, but in, in different words. Tosefta, Masachet, Kritut. Kritut is a Mishnayot about when you are liable for the punishment of Tarek. I know this may not interest any of you right this minute, <laughs> But it interested Chazal. Chazal understood that there were a lot of punishments, a lot of cases where the punishment was parade. They collected them, they divided them up, they segregated them, and uh, we ended up with a Masechet called Kritut. That Masechet, besides the Vishnayot, also has Tosefta. So Tosefta, Masechet, Kritut, Perik Dalet, Halacha Tetvav, says as follows. You see it? The second half of the second page. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon says, if you look in the Chumash, and you see wherever there is mention of Shamayim Ba'aretz, the Shamayim comes first, Bereshit, Bara Elokim, Eta Shamayim Veta Aretz. Shamayim comes first. Bimakom Echadu Omer, there's one Pasuk which says, Biyom Asot Hashem Elokim, Eretz Vishamayim. That's in Perek Bet of Breshit. So the Pesach says, Biyom Asot Hashem Elokim Eretz Vishamayim. Not Shamayim Ba'aretz, but Eretz Vishamayim. And so the Gemara, the, the, the Sefta says, Bilamed Sheshkulim Zeh and that teaches us that Eretz and Shemayim are sort of equal to each other. Now you know that there's a very difficult pasuk at the beginning of Bereshit about the Rakia. You know about the Rakia? In Eng- I love it. Sometimes you can really get away with it. In English, in the King James, it's called firmament. 
So I was always embarrassed. What's firmer? What is talking about? Well, I gotta say, I don't know a word that's in the translation. Never. So I just sat there. I still don't know what a firmament is. I don't know what you about. I look up at the sky, you see a firmament? <laughs> so, so, Rakia, Rakia is the thing that divides up the heavens and the earth. Which means that before the, the Rakia was created, and the Rakia was created when? On which day? Two, you have to ask, the children in Ghan all know the answers to these questions. So they, they, it takes years till they forget. So on day two, HaKadosh Baruch created the Rakia. And the Rakia divided the waters above and the waters below. So that means before there was a Rakia, so there was nothing dividing it. It was all the same. So when uh, the Pesach says, Reishit Baralu Kivit Shemai there's a literary reason, but the idea is that creation, creation was done without Vayavdel. That Vayavdel is a secondary act. So that the first Pesach of the Torah, which says, Reishit Baralu Kivit Shemai Da'aretz, it doesn't mean you knew where the Shemayim was and where the Aretz was. It was all like a big mishmash. Or like a big empty... It's just that it became Shemayim Ba'aretz. When did it become Shemayim Ba'aretz? On the second day. So if it became the Shemayim Ba'aretz, I'm something that was mixed together. It makes sense to say, Shkulim That's what the Tosefta says. Now, Baita, the Koma Kovetim Abraham Lavot. Now, this is really a mystery. Bekom Makom, Hiktim Abraham Lavot, that it always says, Abraham Yitzchak Yaakov. Like we David. Mekom Echadu Omer, Fosigim Vayikro, Vizachat Et Briti Yaakov, Et Briti Yitzchak, Et Briti Abraham. So that's what it says it backwards, in one place. Milameit Sheshloshtan Shkulim Zekazet. What does that mean? That Shloshtan Shkulim Zekazet. It was, what it means, I think, is that it's true that you need three a vote. Each of the three a vote contributes something else to Am Yisrael, ultimately. In the Kabbalistic uh, lingo, but which is pretty much accepted, right? Abraham is Chesed, and Yitzchak is Gvura, and Yaakov is Tiferet, is Torah, which means that in this kind of relationship between heaven and earth, but that's the connection to Shemayim Ba'aretz. Abraham, Abraham did so much chesed in the world that God had to make the world a place where overwhelming chesed entered into. So, Abraham really created the world from that point of view. Midot. I give Midot. You see, you know that the Rambam, even though the Rambam was a great halachist, I don't mean even though, the Rambam was a great halachist, possibly the greatest of all halachas. Nevertheless, the Rambam sought to put Midot into a halachic context. Like when the Rambam says, when the Rambam says, you, you shouldn't get angry. Try not to get angry. And, and if you have, feel that you have to get angry for educational reasons, in order to direct your children, so then make sure you're under control. That's the Rambam. The Rambam quotes a person, quotes a Gemara, quotes... It was the Rambam thought that you don't get direction on how to live from those uh, the pop psychology books that I have all over my house. <laughs> but you get that direction. You get that direction from thinking halachically. If you think halachically, you'll come over there. And, and, and since the Rambam was a behaviorist, he didn't think that uh, you had, a, that there were problems that could not be cured. You could cure anything. You could cure physical problems. You could, cure, uh, you could, you could cure problems of the soul. So the Rambam, that, that's, how the, that's how we understand Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. They had certain personalities, certain personal qualities that were so impressive that they, they became qualities that everybody in Am Yisrael aspires to. That's what 
That's what uh, the Rabbah's psychology was. He said, you shouldn't get angry. Or, you, or he said, you shouldn't be, uh, you shouldn't be wasteful. You shouldn't throw things away that you need. You shouldn't just give away more money than you should. It's just that you learn from the laws of Tzedakah. Everybody agrees that when it comes to Tzedakah, when it comes to Tzedakah giving charity, there's a limit. No, you shouldn't make yourself poor by giving charity to others, even though it's a mitzvah. Even a mitzvah, but the, the, the ethics of it is that you have to be able to control your inclination. Whether your inclination is to give away a lot of money and to become the honored guest at the dinner, or not to give away any money and then to go and look at your bank account very often. Right? So whichever your inclination is, you have to be able to assess it and determine whether that's what you want to do at the Rabbam Hilchot Deot, and also the Hilchot Staka. What? The Shvot. Shvot Abraka in the fourth parak. Fourth, fourth parak. The Shvot Abraka is the introduction to Pirkei Avot. The introduction that the Rabbam wrote to his commentary on Pirkei Avot. And in the fourth parak, he talks about Midot. Correct. It's, that is correct. And he tries to explain that it's basically in your hands. It's like there are two steps. The first step is you have to learn enough Torah to be able to make the right decision. And then you have to look at yourself and make the right decision. But the Rabbam felt, I think, I mean, again, you know, it's not like I talked about this to the Rambam. But the Rambam seems to have felt, seems to have felt that if you knew where you should be, and you thought successfully about how you should be, then you would be able to do that. But he didn't like this idea that people say, I know I should stop smoking, but I can't. You know, that would not go with the Rambam. But what the Rambam would say, if you can't, it's because you don't know that you can't start, that you should stop smoking. Other Rabbah. I know smoking is an old thing. I should use something a little more uh, popular, but I wouldn't want you to think that I know anything about it. So that's what Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are. Right? Uh, third case. So, so Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are divided up <laughs> because of some incidental reason, because of Midot. Not because you couldn't have one Av. That's why they're mixed up in Vayikra to show you the Shlostad Shkulim Zekazeh, the third case. The Koma Komik Dim Moshe Laaron, you recognize this? Right? This is what Rashi says. Rashi knew this Sefta. It's amazing. Namish amazing. The Koma Komik Dim Moshe Laaron, the Moko Mechado Mehu Aaron Moshe, Paragraph Pasuk 26, Melamed Sheshkulim Zekazeh. So what does Shkulim Zekazeh mean? We don't know. We don't know yet. But we know that there are three examples that we've just learned. There's one more example, Yeshua Kalev, but that would take us too far afield. Right? We know about Shemaim Va'aretz, we know about Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov, and now we know about Moshe and Aaron. So even though we're not going to do the last one at all, but I just want you to... Uh, no, there's two actually. There are two, right? Which is an interesting comment. Right? That the father, the mother, Shkulim, there's this. Or why is it always true that it's called Kibur Avla'im? So some, some people say that, uh, that that's the halacha, that the, the mother is also Chayav in the kavod of her husband. Halachically, it doesn't mean that the husband is not high in the covenant as well. But but that's what it means. The b'chol makom hikdimi Yoshua kolek kalev. The makom echad u'mer belti kalev ben yifunei knizim Yoshua binun melamed shneihem shkulim zebrazeh. So in other words, literally, it's like a formula. Wherever you have two things that are mentioned, usually. A and then B. And in one place it's mentioned B and then A. So the Shkulim Zebazet. But obviously in each case you have to look a little bit more carefully to find out what that means. The Shkulim Zebazet. So we'll look at the, we will look at the Medrash. I guess not. I mean, they're equal in something. It doesn't mean that if you could weigh all the good in one and all the good in the other, the number would be the same. But I want to know what it does mean. 
What does it mean? Sheshkuli v'zelaseh. So just look quickly at the Medjush Rabbah. You see the Medjush Rabbah? At the top of the page. Be'shamayu be'it Hillel. Be'it Shamayu omrim ha'shamayim nivru'ut chila. V'achakach nivra'a aretz. Be'eshit bar'alukim et ha'shamayim. Be'et aretz. Be'et Hillel omrim no. Ha'aretz nivra'at chila. V'achakach ha'shamayim. Eilu mevim tam l'divreim, ve'eilu mevim tam l'divreim. Al da'atev de'beit shamay di'inan omrim ha'shamayim nivrut chila v'achakach ha'aretz. So they're going to explain, even though Beit Shammai is already ahead. Right? Because the Torah says, Beit Shammai So how does Beit Hillel deal with that? But the Vedras didn't tell us. But Beit Shammai is going to explain why it makes sense that the heavens should be created before the earth. Mashalem Melech, Shasalo Kisei, Ubisha'asa'o, he made a footstool, right? He made a, a king, made a seat, and then a footstool. Heavens, that's my seat. And therefore, it makes sense. Um, built this big castle. So first he built the first floor, and then he built the second floor. That only on the day of completion, this is in Paragbet, that it says, Eretz Shabbat that after he built all the floors, so, so then uh, it makes sense to say Eretz Vishamai. Omar Rabbi Yudabar Eloi Af Dein Kerob Esayel Beit Hillel. There's another puzzle. Another uh, puzzle like Beit Shammai. So you have the I mean, you have, the, you have the, basically the same outline, except that the Medrash points out the fact that we don't know why they shkulim. In what way are they shkulim? So, in order to answer that question, we're going to look together at the last source of the page. Sefer Kol Simcha. Kol Simcha, of Simcha Bunim, of Pshischa. Of Simcha Bunim. Simcha Bunim was the Talmud of... Tadihudi Akodosh. Who was the Talmud of? What? The Chayzer Belugrim. This doesn't mean anything to anybody. Now, this is probably like our genetic makeup. comes from this story, whether we like it or not. So, Simchim Buddha Pshitzchuk was a very interesting man. All of these Rebbeim were interesting people. At least the part, the stories that we tell about them are interesting. The Simcha Bunim was a pharmacist. You know, he, I don't know what that meant, whether he had to go to school or you just apprenticed yourself to somebody, but he was a pharmacist. So he knew a little bit about, he knew about medicine and medical things, and he was, uh, I think, uh, apparently surprised when he got the call to become the Rebbe after the Yehudi HaKadosh, who, you know, in those days, in those days, all the Rebbe's, interestingly enough, they had this problem about whether their job was to hide and try to reach unknown spiritual heights, or heretofore unknown spiritual heights, or to get in with the people and try to drag them up a few centimeters. And this was not, this was not clear. This was not a clear thing, but the Yudhya Kodosh he was out of it. You know, and Rav Simcha Bunim, who replaced him, was a wicked kind of person. You know, he was, uh, people could attach themselves to him. Who? Pazim is a, is a, what do you call it? A myth. A myth. Who knows? He talked to God all the time. They were organizing the world. Who knows? So in this Sefer Kol Simcha, which is partially on the Parashat HaShavua, 
the Rav Sinchav Bunim says this. Are you, you see it there at the bottom of the page? Heim amidabrim el paro, humo sheva aharoth. Bitchilaktiv, he says, first it says, who aharoth Moshe, by two psukim earlier. Pesach of Zion, it says, Arona Moshe. And just before, it says, Moshe Baro. Asher Amar Hashem Lahem Al Tzivet B'nei Yisrael Meretz Mitzrayim Al Tzivotam. Rishonai, he says, Kashem Hashama B'tchila Aron Kodem Moshe. Ubisof Ha'elahefach. Maybe the Torah can't make up its mind. Two psukim distance. You know, either Aron or Moshe. One of them comes first. Allah Hashem ba'atzmohotziyam. That could a bet. The second question is, God Himself took them out of Mitzrayim. Vehem lo yurak mitabrim el paro. And Moshe and Aaron only came to talk to Paro, but they didn't do anything. I mean, it was all God. All the miracles came from God, and all the makot came from God, and you see, Mitzrayim came from God. So, what is, why does the Pesach say? And what does the Pesach mean when it says, These two things are really connected to each other. Sheparo Yishlechem, Vashayni She Yisrael Yitzu Latzeit. What an insight! He says, on the one hand, the job of Moshe and Aaron was to make sure that Paro. I mean, that was their job to make sure Paro would send the Jews out of Israel. And the second part of the job was to make sure that that time came that the Jews were willing to go. Because we know, in, if you look in history, if you look all the history of the world. Right, from beginning to end, you find that many stories of slaves who did not want to be freed, or whose fear of freedom was greater than their fear of slavery. And they were willing to remain slaves. So, Sisha Budim says, these are the two issues. One was the issue of Paro letting them out of Mitzrayim, and the other was the issue of B'nai Israel wanting to leave. He comes over and speaking to B'nai Yisrael. That's what says in the Torah, that Aaron should go and collect everybody and tell them what is going on. But when it comes to talking to Paro, of course Moshe Rabbeinu was the one who was going to talk to Paro. It's a different pshat. And that's what it says in the Pasuk. That's what it says in the Pasuk of Alehem. Ava Benyan the Dabeo Paro, Ayam Moshe Ikar, he's the one. Femamar Hashem Elad, that's what God told him, go to Paro. Obey Paro, the beginning of the Pasha of Bo, right? That's Moshe. So what was the insight of the the uh, Kol Simcha. The inside of the Kol Simcha was that these two people, Moshe and Aaron, took upon themselves two aspects of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. That Moshe, his job was to get Paro to agree, so to speak, and Aaron, his job was to get B'nai Yisrael to agree. Now, for the Kol Simcha, this makes sense since, since uh, he says elsewhere that, pa, that Moshe had grew up in the house of Paro, and everybody knew him, he could speak the language. So, of course, he's the one who should go to, whereas Aaron grew up with his brethren, and they were all in it together, and they were more likely to believe him. 
So the, the Kol Simcha does not quote that part of Rashi that says Shpulu, which is from the Tosefta in Kritut and the Medrash Rabbah. But we understand now, if we had the wrong idea, at least for the Kol Simcha, what Shkulin Zebozeb means. Shkulin Zebozeb means they can't do without the other. One cannot do without the other. It doesn't mean that in Jewish history they're of equal importance. Or it doesn't even mean that in C.S. Mitzrayim they're of equal importance. It doesn't mean that. But it means that Moshe and Aaron could not have, not have done it alone. And so when Moshe, according to the Kol Simcha, Moshe says, I can't speak, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm Kvad Peh, he could be saved. He has no connection to the he has no connection to the value system of Bnei Yisrael. He doesn't know the slang. He can't speak their language. He didn't grow up with them. He's an outsider on a certain level. He's an outsider on a certain level to a certain extent. The story of Moshe Rabbeinu is the story of his re-entry uh, into. Am Yisrael, from some place out, from Paro, from Yitro and Midian, all of those things happened. So Shneim Shkulim Zebazeb means that Moshe and Aaron needed one the other. They couldn't do, they couldn't do what had to be done, which is why HaKadosh Baruch agreed with Moshe Rabbeinu, even though originally there was a disagreement. So you know, whenever there's a disagreement between Moshe Rabbeinu and HaKadosh Baruch it's because the Torah wants us to understand what the issue is. Not because uh, God is going to change God's mind about who should go and do what he says. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, I can't go. I can't speak. Right? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu finally accepted the position of Moshe Rabbeinu and said, Aaron. will send Aaron. So that comes to teach us that Moshe Rabbeinu had a real gripe. He said, if I'm the one who's supposed to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim, so that what I say should be easily comprehensible to them. They should be able to see that I am Moshe Rabbeinu. But since we, Moshe Rabbeinu on the one hand, and Bnei Israel on the other hand, are essentially from different cultures, even though in the world of theology we may be able to talk to each other, but most people don't talk that language. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm not fit to take Bnei Israel. I'm not properly prepared to take Bnei Israel out of the tribe. I need something that shaku that in this job will enable me to do it successfully. So HaKadosh Baruch said, yes, that's a good argument. Because basically what the Moshe Rabbeinu's argument was that B'nai Yisrael had to understand and accept. Not that it would just come down upon them like a bunch of, a bunch of Nisim, a bunch of miracles. And you see also that the miracles were not effective. The miracles were not fixed. So what? The miracles were not fixed. So what kept the day Israel on track? What was it that they they followed? They followed Aaron. Aaron, it's true, followed Moshe. But Aaron spoke the language that they spoke. Aaron was able to give the message in a way that was even better than Moshe Rabbeinu. But in fact, when it comes to Yitzhak Mitzrayim, the Paro side of things, the the uh, the miracles. You know that Aaron fades out. In the beginning he had the miracle of the Matan and Dam and Svardaya and then he's gone. It's Moshe Rabbeinu who takes the, the lead and does, does everything. Because the miracles, the miracles are, uh, you know, the first thing that B'nai Yisrael in, in, in accepting Moshe Rabbeinu and the story of the acceptance of Moshe Rabbeinu the first stage was that he took over the miracle doing from Aaron. You see, that was, that was what was happening. So Moshe Rabbeinu was right. Moshe Rabbeinu said, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to believe me. And why won't they listen? And that's in the Kol Simcha, because Moshe Rabbeinu was either an Egyptian in their eyes, or a Midianite in their, in their eyes. And even though he talked the talk, as they say, why would we believe him? You know, he could be a, an outsider, a usurper, somebody who's just coming to say one thing or the other. So you should remember the Kol Simcha says, Shkulim Zebel Zeb means they couldn't do it without each other. 
And in fact, what? Can we apply that to the other examples that are given in the No. I mean, you could always do something. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and you'll see also there's a story, there's a hidden story of Moshe becoming Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe the leader. Moshe said to HaKadosh Baruch I'm not going to be accepted a, a, as a leader. So HaKadosh Baruch developed this plan which enabled Moshe to be accepted. But basically, or not basically, essentially, HaKadosh Baruch accepted the argument of Moshe Rabbeinu. That Moshe Rabbeinu was not fit to get the message across because the message could only be communicated in an understandable language. It cannot be communicated by people who don't understand each other. And so Aaron was the intermediary, but as the stature of Moshe Rabbeinu grew during this period of time, he has been trying, Moshe Rabbeinu took over all the functions, including the speaking and the talking and the saying and the and Aaron Akolin was given the schut according to Rashi being part of the mitzvah of Zelochem because of the role that he played in Yisiet Mitzrayim to save Moshe Rabbeinu who was like he was totally um, you know he, he, he was self-effacing he Aaron Akolin was self-effacing he knew that he was doing it only so that he shouldn't have to be doing it and that's what happened and Aaron Akolin sort of disappears for a while have a good shot.